The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning, Park Church. Our scripture reading today will be from Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. For to us a child is born, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he was brought in contempt in the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephitali. But in the later time, he has made the glorious way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, unto them the light has shone has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, the staff of his shoulders, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot boot of the triumphing warrior in the battle and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increasing of his government and of his peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness for this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this this is the word of the Lord hello good morning can you hear me amen there you go hey I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord um it is good to be here um, and if you're here, it's not by accident. Um, God, wants us, God wants to speak to us. And the beautiful thing is that as believers, I pray we never take for granted the fact that we get to gather as a church, gather with one another. That is a sweet gift from God. Um, and again, we, we, we might as well get used to it because in heaven, we're going to be kicking it all day, every day. So um, why not practice it now, right? But... Um, <clears throat> Hey, a couple of things. If you're new here to Park Church, hey, I just want to say uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Miguel Warren, and I have the privilege and honor to serve on staff as the director of community. And so I pray that, um, that you hear from God today and that you would be able to experience his presence um, as we sit at the feet of uh, Jesus. And so if you are new, uh, here's this announcement here. Right after service, right down this hall, we have introductions. My right, your left, down this hall, there'll be a staff member there that will greet you. And we want to take 10 minutes, 12 minutes, just to get to know a little bit about you. And you get to know about uh, Park and what we're doing here in the city of Denver. Uh, so that's that announcement. The second one is that um, for, those, as you cons- uh, for those who consider Park their family, um, I ask for you to... Uh, take in consideration as you get ready to end the year um, with our, with, um, and particularly with giving, and that when, as you get ready to see who we can give to and as you make priorities, I pray that you keep the local church here in mind. 
um, and particularly Park Church. And so I pray uh, that <clears throat> you'll be able to consider that and give. But also, too, giving is, is really a way to steward the gifts of God that he has given us and to advance his kingdom. And so, uh, hey, I don't want to diminish, but God has been really faithful. God has been really uh, gracious in doing amazing and great work um, through this church, through your giving. So just one moment, I want to say thank you. And faithfully, if you could, just clap and uh, worship God for the giving and the faithfulness that he has done um, for us here. I think oftentimes we take for granted like that he's doing great things and it's through your giving that helps the kingdom advance to help be able to uh, push back darkness in the city. So please consider the way that you give and um, consider Park as you're considering your end of year giving. Other than that, I have no more announcements. So we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to sit at the feet of Jesus and we're going to hear what he has to say to us through his word. So if you could pray for me and I will pray for us and uh, we can have our hearts open to hear from our great Savior. And our Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, for all that you have done. When you think about the Lord and all that has taken place, God, it is nothing short of amazing. Even in the, the hard times that this year's have brought to some people, but God, you're still faithful. And I thank you that you love us and you're present and you're uh, um, gracious and compassionate and merciful, even when we're faithless, God. I pray, Lord, that as we come here, some of us tired from hosting people and, and some of us tired from traveling, Lord, and some of us are even tired because this year has beat us up. But I pray, Father, that as we come right now, sitting at your feet, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to say. Calm our minds, Father. Help us not to be like Martha, but yet be at the feet of Jesus. Lord, I'm reminded that it's not by my power, but my, not my strength, that I stand here as a weak man needing you, Father, needing your word, Father. And Lord, it is your word that brings life, that brings life from dry places. It's your word that saves us from the dead. It is your word that encourages us and rebuke us and spur us on, Father. And I pray that you do exactly just that. Lord, Holy Spirit, flood this place right now. Fill us with your presence. Help us be able to experience you in a, such a tangible and palpable way. Lord, knowing that if you do no more, you are still the most faithful and just God there is or ever will be. In your son Jesus' name, we all together said, amen. <clears throat> Celebrations. Celebrations are great things. We celebrate for many reasons. Accomplishments, promotions, um, you name it. Uh, we come and gather to celebrate a person or even may celebrate you that is at the center of it. Celebrations are also great because especially if you're not the one hosting it, you don't have to clean up after all that mess. But <clears throat> many of us, and what's very popular today, we celebrate the birth of children. And so we have this thing called gender reveal and people celebrate and they're excited for the life and that the child is coming. 
And that's essentially what we're doing right now in these 12 days that starts at the end of Christmas Eve and goes for the next 12 days up until January 5th. It's called Christmas Tide. And really in all of its totality, the simple thing is, is to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's what this is. And so regardless of, hear me now, what this year has been, for some this year has been amazing. Promotions and family, new births, it's been awesome. But on the other side, this year has been hard for a lot of people for whatever reason. But regardless of whatever side that you sit on, whether things were great or things wasn't so great, I tell you today, we have reason to celebrate. Especially if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. No matter what, our praise, our celebration should not be a subjective praise and celebration. We ought to praise him because God came in the flesh as Jesus, and we can celebrate that because no matter what gifts we've gotten, that is the best gift we could ever receive, whether we know it or not. And so today, we're going to celebrate, and particularly looking at Isaiah 9, a very familiar passage that we've all heard before. We're going to celebrate God for what he has done. We're going to celebrate because God sent light into darkness. We'll celebrate because God also breaks the chains of bondage. Then also we will celebrate because God gave us the king and ruler we so desperately need. And so we come to this text today and we're looking at the Israelites here and, and, and Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is actually giving hope to the people of God that are in the midst of a dark situation. He's giving them hope to hold on to in the midst of their troubleness, in the midst of the oppression, in the midst of all that hovers over them. You see, because of their disobedience, because of their sinful ways, the lack of believing in God and trusting in him and looking to him, darkness came upon them. And so God, in his righteous way, which is only to deal with sin in the way that he knows how, he sends judgment over these people. And so you have the Assyrians who are marching left and right, taking the people of Israel in captive, putting them in a bondage. And as they are in the midst of this time, as they're in this dark place, the beautiful thing is that God does not leave them in darkness. You see, the prophet Isaiah is giving them hope, and this prophecy gives the people something they desperately need. See, this prophecy was written 800, about eight to 700 years before Jesus even came, before their Messiah came into this world. But know that these words, because they came from God, gave them a hope that was so worthwhile holding on to. No, not, not, not that, that, that unexpected hope, not that I don't know if it can happen hope, 
you know, that hope that I have that my wife get on me all the time. I'm driving home and my gas tank is on E and I done passed five gas stations. And I'm like, I hope I don't run out of gas. <laughs> no, that ain't, not that kind of hope. Hope that is, that, that, that is certain, that is for sure. And so as we dive into this text here and as we get ready to look into our first point, as I mentioned that, we have reason to celebrate again because God brings light into the darkness. He breaks the chains of bondage and he gives us the ruler and the king we so desperately need. And so, but before we look at the first point here, before we look at how God brings light into darkness, understand here we have to look at chapter 8, verse 22. You see, when you look at chapter 8, verse 22, it tells us they will look to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom and anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. You see, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this oppressed time that come, that was upon them, just like us, they were looking to figure their way out of it. They were looking to the earth and they were looking to try to, they were looking at everything else but the one who created the earth. And that's exactly, if it, that, that that's actually sounds familiar because that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve looked to the earth for their identity, for their hope, for their purpose instead of the creator of the earth. And if we're honest, we do the same thing today. We, when we experience darkness in, uh, in, in its various forms, when things get hard, we start to look to other things for our hope, for our salvation. But as we move forward in this text and even in life, there's a word that actually speaks so sweet to my ears. And to yours, if you look at chapter 9, verse 1, what is the first word that you see there? What is it? It's okay. Let's talk. What's the word? But. But. Oh, how sweet that three-letter word is because even though these people in a dark time and in dark places and they're experiencing the oppression of the Assyrians and even though we too to this day experience darkness, there is a but that we can celebrate. See, it says, but here, that leads us to look at what, it leads us to look at, to know that our current situation for them and even our situation doesn't stay in the dark. And that's why it brings me to my first point here again. God brings light and did bring light to those in darkness. Let's look here at the text here. When you look at verse 1, when you see verse 1 here, it really talks about how they go from gloom to glory. From gloom to glory. From this darkness that is taking place to the glory that is to come. And verse 2 actually unpacks that. Why does it go from gloom to glory? Because in verse 2 it tells us those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And then it even goes on to say those who dwell in the land of, of deep darkness on them has light shone. 
Oh, what sweet news. Oh, what great news for us to hear that even in the midst of darkness, light broke through. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4 says, In Him was light, and the light was the life of man. Verse 5, here it is, don't miss it. The light shines in dark places. And the darkness has not overcome it. Light being broken in this dark place is such a sweet, beautiful thing because God, in all of his glory, in all of his holiness, right? You have to understand the context here. These people are in this darkness because they decided to disobey and rebel against God. The same way Adam and Eve did, life was great and all good, but yet because they decide to look to the earth for their purpose, their identity, their worth, darkness covered this world. But the text tells us that it says it goes from gloom to glory because the light shined forth. The light became known. Because God loves us so much, he didn't just leave us to ruin there. I once was a fireman prior to coming here to park. And one of the exciting, um, which is kind of weird, is to go into burning buildings. I don't, that does, the logic doesn't make any sense a little bit. But going into these fires, one thing that I've noticed is that as you continue to go through, when you come upon the porch and you go through the house, it's smoky. And as you continue to proceed, you lose vision. The smoke is consuming. The darkness has hovered in. There's no light that is being able, uh, there's no light being broken in. And as I was, I remember one time, as I was going through and doing this search and rescue part, trying to find people that was in there, I could not see a thing. And I'm over here filling on the walls, using the techniques that I've learned and the training that I've gotten, trying to figure my way out through this house, trying to remember the way that I came in so that in the event something happened, I can be able to get out. But in that time, there was an alarm that sounded, and that alarm signified to us that everybody in this house needs to vacate because the structure is about to be compromised. And so you have to understand at this time, I am separated from the crew. I'm doing my job. There's nobody that's around, and I can't see a thing. So I'm over here trying to hurry up to get out, and I'm fumbling over all this junk that I can't see. But by the Holy Spirit, he tells me, and I really, kid you not, he says, hey, you have a flashlight that is on you. Turn it on. <laughs> I was like, praise the Lord. Clean, let's go. And all of a sudden, what I could not see, now I'm able to see. And so I'm able to maneuver and get my way out. And I'm able to walk over the things that were always tripping me up because of the light that was upon me. The same way that that light gave me, uh, gave me the vision to see is the same way that God pierced through the darkness that hovered this world and even your life. And get this, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, which is another light term there, now you and I who are believers are able to see in darkness. 
And so the things that I once was tripping over to get out of that house, because, but now once the light came on, now I'm able to step over it. Now I'm able to move out. And the same is very true for us that now that light has shined in the dark places, we're able to see just a little bit better because he's guiding us. He's leading us. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. But understand something. When I left those fires, I had some scratch and bruises. I was banged up now. And that's to say that as you live life, as you experience um, life here and you experience that this darkness that is on us sometimes and as you went through a rough season this past year, understand this, that doesn't mean that you don't have bumps and bruises and scratch. Oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. But we can praise God because no matter what, he has never left you. Even if you can't feel it, even if you, you're wondering where has he been, he has been there the whole time because Emmanuel, God is with us. So we celebrate God because he brings light into this darkness here. But not only does God bring light to the darkness in these hard times, in that tough time, we know that in the midst of that, God breaks the chains of bondage. Where do I see that? If we look here in verses 3, he talks about how they go from sorrow to increase of joy. They go from this sorrowful place to the increase of joy here. And if you look at verse 3, he says, you have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with a joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil here. This rejoicing, it's like they found that harvest, knowing that the, what they've been sowing and the food it's here now. Okay, let me help you this way. Your stomach ever been growling real bad because you're hungry? And you know you need to go grocery shopping. You know ain't nothing in that refrigerator. But you go down there and look anyway. And behind all the stuff you don't want because there's no food to eat, you happen to find something that brings you great joy. And so you find that leftover that was there a couple of days because it's still good to eat. But you would get excited because now the hunger that you have is about to be fulfilled because you didn't think there was nothing in there at all. But yet there was something to eat here. Understand here, I'm trying to paint a picture. That joy was like a joy because of the harvest that they've seen. And now they're celebrating because it's about to be grub time. And we see that in the text that he's going to multiply the nations here. It is God reminding them of his promise that even he made to Abraham, saying that I will make you the father of many nations here. And it even goes on that it's not just about the ethnic Jews here, but, but it's all about the Gentiles that will be in. I will, I will multiply the nations. They will increase in numbers. And we even see that in Acts as the church continues to go forward. But verse 3 is unpacked by verse 4, 5, and 6. And we know that because in verse, four, in verse 4, 5, and 6, right before in the sentence, right before it starts, you see the word for there, which is unpacking why, how he's going to multiply the nations and why, they're joy, why they can increase in joy like this harvest has come here. You see verses 4 through 5, as we move through this progression, you have gloom to glory and the glory, and you go from sorrow to joy because this light has broken in and now we can uh, we go from oppression to freedom oppression to freedom 
because God breaks the chains of bondage. Where do I see that at? If you look at verse 3, excuse me, verse 4, it says, For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of meeting. This idea that Isaiah is predicting and what he is saying is that God will shatter the yoke that the oppressors have placed on them. This yoke, this staff, this rod used as an instrument to, to, to speak of how it's dominating its people. It's controlling them even to physical work here. But understand here, the beautiful thing is that he says that it will be broken as in the day of Median. Why is that so good news for us? You see, you have to understand that Darkness hovered over us and darkness, it, it was on us. And actually, because of the sin of our first uh, family, Adam and Eve, now we are enslaved to sin and we are in bondage to it. It is our master. It is our ruler. It is our oppressor. But Jesus, this baby that we celebrate, broke those chains when he marched to Calvary's cross on your behalf and my behalf. And so we have reason to celebrate because he did that. And if you are not a believer here today, I tell you, you have reason to celebrate that you do not have to be enslaved anymore. And if you are a believer here today, life has gotten the best of you. Get this, you do not have to be enslaved to the bondage anymore. Galatians chapter 1 reminds us that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore... And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Romans remind us, it tells us, and he uses a phrase several times, you are free from sin. John 8 tells us in verse 36 that if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And it's interesting here, people hear me. It says that, and Isaiah is reminding the people, he said, it will be broken as in a day of meeting. And it's reminding them of the time when God defeated the Midianites, when Gideon and the 300 men were there to do it. But understand here, you got to understand, Gideon is a, is, it has all kinds of insecurities in who he is. Trying to lead these people. God shrinked the army down to 300. And he only did, he, he did that to show him, to flex his spiritual muscle, if I could, to say, hey, get I got this. And so, hear me today, people. The same way that God, that Isaiah reminded them that God delivered the Midian, the, uh, defeated the Midianites, that same power, that same God is the same God that you and I have divine access power to that is able to break the strongholds or the bondages that are in our lives. So no matter what you've experienced, no matter what 2019 has brought you this past year, regardless of the hurt, the sorrow, the darkness, regardless of what has hovered you, we can rest assured to know that we are more than conquerors in him who love us. He even goes on and talks about this military, this language that he used in verse 5, talking about the burning of the boots and the, the bloody clothes of the enemy soldiers. This is signifying the victory in a holy war, war 
where the spoils are dedicated to God and the military equipment are set on fire. This whole language that is used between verses 4 and 5 is showing and reminding him and talking about how God breaks the chains of bondage. This light came into darkness, people. And so although life has hit us from the side, up, way, down, all over the place, blindside some of us, notice no one thing. We can celebrate him because the light breaks through this darkness. And not only does it break through the darkness, it actually, God gives, he breaks the chains of bondage. And we can celebrate him because he does that through the Messiah, through Jesus, the one true living God, fully God, fully man. So we have a reason to celebrate that. And so, not only did he bring light to the darkness, not only does he break the chains of, uh, the chains of bondage, but we also will see in verses 6 through 7, God gives us the ruler or the king we so desperately need. We come to these famous words that we hear all the time. And it says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and let's just stop right there. To us, a son is given. The child is born. The son is given. We didn't deserve it. We, don't, we, didn't, we, didn't get, we didn't get a good enough A's on our report cards for him to give us anything. No. He gave us this son because from the very beginning of time, God had in place exactly what he was going to do. When Adam and Eve disobeyed him and they subjected their authority over to Satan and their identity and all these other things that they decided to do to turn from God because they wanted to turn to the earth, get this God in his great mercy. He says, hey, the seed will crush. You will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And so we even see that, that the son is given here for us because he loves us. And that is worth celebrating because he's given it to us. And understand this. He's given us something that was from before eternity, before all this earth existed here. Understand the gifts that we've gotten or that we've given to people this past week actually will be of no value probably in the next week, two days, or even months to come. Truth be told. I mean, iPhone 13 already being publicized right now. I don't know. I'm just saying. And so what I'm saying is that all these things that we get, these gifts that we give in, they are tarnished. And actually, they're beautiful for a moment. But because we're done with it or because the new fad comes out, we move on from it. But this son that was given does not lose its value. It does not tarnish. Actually, it does far more abundantly than we can ever think or even imagine here. Because the text tells us that for, uh, the, the child is born, a son is given, and it says the government is on his shoulders. The government shall be on his shoulders, which really is, it is on his shoulders here. And that's beautiful news. And don't just think America government. Don't just think that. No, we're talking about the world here is upon his shoulders. Which is good news because it doesn't have to be on yours or my shoulder, which we want to at times, if we're honest says that he, the government is on his shoulders here, which is keenly to know of. Not the political party, 
Not the Democrats, not the Republicans, but it's on his shoulders here. And then it says, not only the government's on his shoulders, but then it also goes on and says that his name is, shall be called, which really translates his name is. And understand, if you know something, a name is very important because a name is associated to the character, to the character of a person. Oh, you don't believe me? Let somebody say certain names to you, whether good or bad. It's going to do something to you. You'd be like, hey, hey, I got uh, such and such coming over. You're going to be like, hmm. About that. Uh, or you're on the other side, you'd be like, oh, absolutely great. Because the moment that the name is mentioned, you automatically think about who they are, what they've done, their character. And so we see here that it says that the government's on his shoulders and his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace here. Understand, when it talks about the wonderful counselor, it is saying that the wonderfulness here is, it, it, it is difficult to understand. Difficult to understand, difficult to comprehend. It is actually miraculous here is really what it's getting at. It's supernatural. His counsel, because he's so wise, is beyond our even reasoning and comprehension here. See, Isaiah 28, 29 tells us, the Lord of hosts, he is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Ephesians 1, 11 tells us at the end of it, it says that who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Romans 11 mentioned that the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God and then it even says at the end of it, uh, for who has known the name of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? No one. Psalms 32, 8 says, he says, I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Oh, that's so good news here. See, you have to understand, why is that so great here? See, Many of us, when we go to counseling or see therapy, which is a good thing here, let's not diminish that, right? Jesus in therapy, beautiful things, love it. But when you go to them, you have to brief them on your situation. You have to bring them up to speed where you are at. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's what's the here is what's taking place. But understand, he is a wonderful counselor. He existed before the time began. And get this, baby, you do not have to brief him on your problem. Because he already knows he's a wonderful counselor. And not only that, he knows you. Psalms 139 tells us in verse 1, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. Oh, what a beautiful thing that is. You can celebrate because this king, this governor, this, this ruler, the ruler that we need, desire to need, he knows us. He knows you. And celebrate him for that. He know he sees you right where you are. It's been hard this year, but he sees you. Not only is he a wonderful counselor, it says he's a mighty God, meaning he's strong, he's powerful. And really, this is it, using the title mighty God. It is saying that this, this Messiah that is to come, that Isaiah is prophesying about, that we now read about because he has already came and we're waiting for him to come again. Uh, Colossians, 2, uh, Colossians 2, 9 tells us, for in him the fullness, get this, the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So he is fully God and fully man at the same time. 
Now, how is that? It's not a one plus two equal three thing. I'm not, no, but we know his word tells us that. And he is here. He's in, he, he's in control, meaning he's powerful, right? <laughs> you remember that song we used to sing when you was a little kid? He has the whole world in his hands. He has the whole world in his hands. He has the whole world. In his hands, he has the whole world in his The same thing that was true when we were three and four singing is the same thing true today. That the world is in his hands. He is strong. He is powerful. Mighty God. There is nothing that is outside of his control. And so we can praise God for that, right? And if you're sitting here saying, you know, you, you, we, if we're honest, we struggle with some control in our lives. Let's be honest. As humble as we like to be, just get married. That control won't come out quick. <laughs> <laughs> and it don't matter. Whether you're at work, you're at home, no matter where you are, control is something we want, even within relationships. It's like what we do with laundry, right? We take the clean laundry, we get it, and we try to get it all in one scoop, right? We get it all in one scoop. Because we could want to control everything, but only to walk to our destination to drop things. <laughs> and then even we do this with the dirty laundry. We pick it all up, and as we're carrying it, it, it we, we're dropping stuff. Because get this, we are not designed to have control over all that we have that God has so graciously given us. No. But God, mighty God, is not like us that drops laundry. He is powerful enough to hold everything in his hand. He doesn't have to take multiple trips like we do because it's in his hands, mighty God. And it says here, everlasting Father. And this is what this is saying is that Jesus is father-like here. It's a term of relational careness and nearness. He can bring comfort to us. Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know my voice. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Term of a father, he's speaking here. Meaning that, get this, and it's not even just father, but it's everlasting father. Everlasting father, meaning that there is no end to his father-like care, love, protection, security that he offers, that he has. Which lets us know that you are loved by him, your identity is in him, you don't have to prove anything for him to be that everlasting, loving, caring father, which is great news here. So that when life hits you and you experience it, you don't have to, you go to him and you, 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 you confess in what you've done. And he says, I know. I'm waiting right here for you. Everlasting. Doesn't end. And I understand that topic, Father, can be very hard for some people because there have been good fathers that are on this earth. And no matter how good fathers are, have been on this earth. And even on the other side, how bad fathers are, here's what the common denominator is. If the Lord tarries, they will die. So that means that you don't get to experience that touch of them anymore. But unlike him, he's everlasting. It doesn't end it will continue for now and forevermore, everlasting Father. And then he says, 
This last title he's given is the Prince of Peace. This idea of shalom, this wholeness, right? This idea of this, this spiritual harmony brought about by an individual that, is, that restoration happens with God. So this peace that happens is this objective peace and this subjective peace here. See, the objective peace is you and I were once enemies of God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and if you sit here today and Jesus isn't your Lord, you are now an enemy of God. But if you are a believer, you once were an enemy of God. You don't believe me? Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 10 tells us, For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life here. See, you have this objective peace, and this objective becomes with the healing peace because Isaiah 53 tells us that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, get this, that brought us And with his wounds, here's a beautiful word, we are healed. It says in Romans 5, 1, therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This whole idea of objective peace, we were once enemies with him, but because of Jesus, because of what this baby boy did, the one that was laying in a feeding trough, let's not get this, it wasn't a cute manger scene, but marched on the Calvary on your half and my behalf, and because he took your sins, my sins, the sins of the world, and nailed them to the cross and defeated death, we're able to have peace with God now. We're no longer enemies. We can celebrate because of that here. But then you have this subjective piece. You're like, I get it, right? I get it. I got the objective piece. I'm eternally saved. But you understand I'm here on earth right now. What understand the subjective piece he gives as well because he says in John 14, 27, he goes, hey, my peace I give you. Not peace that the world gives. He talks about in Philippians chapter 4. One of the famous verses, he says, be anxious of nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Here it is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, get this, your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So that means that while we experience hard times, while we experience the, the oppressions and the things that take place here, yes, the chains have been broken, but we experience still injustices and unrighteousness because things are not what they will, will be one day. But get this, the peace of God, no matter where you are at today, no matter what you have experienced in 2019, and if the Lord wills and gracious, as we will experience in 2020, get this, the peace of God, the God, the creator of this world, the one that breathed life into your lungs will guard you, your mind, and heart. How about that for a bodyguard? So, we see here, it's wonderful, mighty, Father, it's peace. And then verse 7 is even all more beautiful because it says here, verse 7, it says, of the increase 
of his government. Mm. And peace, get this, there'll be no end. No end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it. There will be no end. He will establish it. He will uphold it, get this, with righteousness and with justice and righteousness, the way that it ought to be. And here, if you like to shout a little bit, here is the shouting material for us. And it says, from this time, remember, this Bible was written many years ago, thousands of years ago. So what was true for that time is true for this time because God's word is living and active. And it says, for this time, forth and forevermore. And forevermore. And the beautiful thing about this is not, not only is it forevermore, but you can miss it at the end of verse 7. And it says, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This zeal, meaning this jealousy that he's had, because we are his. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, get this, will do this. So we don't have to try to do it. The government is on his shoulders, not yours and I's, or whoever tries to sit in America's political party or even across the world. Good news about that. But then also, not only is it on his, uh, on his shoulders, but then it says that, get this, it will increase and have no end. It is established and it is uphold for this time and forevermore. And then it encapsulated in a beautiful way. And it says that, and he will do this. We can celebrate him because he will do this. We don't have to do this. He will do this. No job will do this. No, 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 no type of money will do this. No presidential aspect will do this. He will do it. And it reminds me in Luke chapter 2 where he says, the thing where he talks about the birth, it says, and I love this as it gets in, it says in verse 10, it says, fear not. That's good news. Fear not. Regardless of what happened this year, regardless of what may come down, get this, fear not. Fear not. Because it says, for behold, I bring you good news. We got good news of great joy that will be, get this, for all people. Come on now, for all people. It will be for all people. And it says, here it is, the one that we always look for unto you. Get this, for unto you. Is born this day. Get that. They say this day, which means that, guess what? Even to this day, he's with us. This day, he's with us. And if we get to see tomorrow in 2020, guess what? He's with us. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You sit here today. I want to let you know to you. This day, if you're looking for wisdom, we have a wonderful counselor. To you this day, struggling with power, control, we have one who is mighty, mighty God. To you this day, you can be loved and known and secured because we have an everlasting father that cares. To you this day, if sin is your Lord, or sin is in bondage, guess what? We have the Prince of Peace. This day, we have it. Emmanuel, God with us this day here. So we can go celebrating this Jesus, the Messiah. 
Because he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting. Father, Prince of Peace, it is God who brought light into darkness, God that breaks the chains of bondage, and God that has given us and has given us a ruler that we so desperately need and have. So you leave today with hope and celebration because we have one that from this day forth and forevermore there is no end. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you love us so much that even from the beginning of time, you have not deviated from your plan. Uh, you may promise that Jesus will come and crush Satan, and he's done that. And now we're waiting for him to come again. But as we wait, we can celebrate because he has come. And we thank you that he has come and that we get to participate in this celebration. We get to engage in it. So help us hold fast to your word, God, to celebrate that no matter what, even in the midst of a dark world, that we know that you have brought light in it, that you break the chains of bondage, and that you have given us the ruler we so desperately need. Thank you for all that you've done in your son Jesus' name. Amen.